know, maybe we should make it a little less about the, the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, mm-hmm. and more about his presence and yeah. our presence in people's lives and how we point others to him. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to Faith in the Folds, a podcast for ministry, biblical studies, and Christian living. I'm your host, Kevin Burr. Today I sat down with best-selling author, ghostwriter, and editor, Tama Fortner. Tama is an accomplished children's and general audience author with over 40 books on her resume. Recently, Tama published a new book entitled Simply Christmas, a busy mom's guide to reclaiming the peace of the holidays, a devotional. Although written with special emphasis for moms, Tama rightly reminds all of us how to slow down and savor the Savior during this Christmas season. We talked about life, work, writing, and why it's so easy to allow the busyness of the season to define us, and how Christmas is really a time to bring peace and goodness to a world that so easily spends itself dizzy sometimes. If you enjoy the kinds of conversations we're having here on the podcast, would you be willing to like and subscribe to us and maybe share us with someone you think who might benefit from this? And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today. Well, Tama, thank you so much for joining us today on Faith in the Folds. I am excited to dig into your new book that you've written, and um, it's going to be a very different track from what we have been doing here on the podcast recently. But I think it'll be a, a neat, uh, neat little discussion for us to have. Welcome to Faith in the Folds. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Um, we first met uh, roughly ten years ago now. Yeah. When uh, when Mark Adams, um, who is dead to me now because he's leaving the church <laughs> I work at. <laughs> yeah. Who is that again? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now he's just somebody I used to know. Um, <laughs> No, we first met when uh, back in Old Hickory, when yeah. Mark Adams was youth minister there, and y'all were there. And um, I have seen your stuff pop up on my you know, social media feeds here and there. And most recently, you've uh, you've written this book called Simply Christmas that we'll get to here in just a little bit. But before we do, tell us about yourself. How you know, like where are you these days? What are you up to? How did you get into writing? Uh, give us uh, give us an introduction to the acclaimed author, Tama Fortner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the acclaimed, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I say to people, I'm I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a, a sometimes author, and always daughter of the King. Um, I've been married to Jeff for 23 years. Uh, We have two kiddos who have grown up much too fast. Uh, My son, Kaylor, is uh, a sophomore at Harding. Lauren is a senior at Lipscomb. And uh, I just absolutely have loved watching them grow. Uh, I am now an empty nester. So this uh, part-time writing gig has turned more full-time these days. And that's kind of where I am these days. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask, um, what was, what was one of the, 
like describe for me this is not scripted okay I, I didn't I didn't intend to ask you this but I'm, <laughs> I'm just aware because I've got little kids yeah. who are about about as far apart as your two are and yeah. at some point I'll, I'll get Linnea and I will get to this point what happened when it first hit you oh it's really quiet in here yeah. can you describe that moment like wh where like what what made it sit in it's like oh we are empty nesters more or less. Oh, it was, it was really in some ways hard because my son, uh, his senior year was in the middle of COVID. And so he was home all the time. And then um, Harding actually went back to school uh, that fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and we came home and there was silence. And it was just really loud silence. So it was, it went from having 24 seven kids to uh, zero. Uh, so yeah. it, it was, it was really very difficult there for a few days. I bet. Yeah. That, um, I don't know what that silence is like. No. With a five-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes I experience it during the day on the rare occasion that I happen to be home, but yeah, we still have a dog. So do y'all have a, any pets to keep you company? We do. We have two dogs, uh, a, a senior who sleeps all the time and a, a relatively uh, young puppy who does not sleep at, all the time. <laughs> so I was do. hoping you were going to say a senior dog and a sophomore dog to kind of balance oh, yeah. out <laughs> Lauren Kaler there. That's great. <laughs> well, how did you, you mentioned kind of part-time writing that has now grown into full-time writing. Yeah. How, how did you get into writing in the first place? Oh, so I have always loved books um, from as, as young as I could remember. So always loved writing. Um, and so naturally I was, became an English major when I went to college. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to get into publishing and um, it's a tough field to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to get a job as a children's book editor. Um, okay. right out of college. I worked at a smaller press for a little while and then eventually moved to Thomas Nelson oh, yeah. uh, doing the kids version. Uh, Tommy Nelson mm -hmm. was an editor there. And um, when Jeff and I decided to have children, I wanted to stay home, but I didn't want to completely give up uh, my job. And as a freelance editor, I was blessed to be able to do a little bit of both. I could say no to projects when teething season happened. And, and yes, when things are a little calmer. What is it about teething season that's especially challenging or time consuming? Right? Oh, oh, you know, the crying, the sleeplessness. And that's just from the adults. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and the connections that I had made there um, allowed me to get into ghostwriting. And that's what I did for a long time. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and uh, adaptations for other authors. Mm -hmm. um, writing for kids is very different than writing for adults. And so you have some very successful adult authors who aren't able to transition to that or don't have the time to transition to that. And mm -hmm. so, and that just kind of led eventually to doing my own projects and as, as I had time when we became empty nesters, it's gotten to be more full-time than part-time. So, yeah. and, and God has just really poured opportunities into my life at every turn. So I, I have to give him all the credit. Yeah. Yeah. 
I maybe sometime later, I would love to to pick your brain about writing the yeah. kind of writing that I have done most recently is a you know doctoral dissertation, right? Which is you know and obviously in some ways very different from the kinds of things that you've done. But I would imagine that in some ways they are very similar because you do have to sit down and I, I would at least think maybe see beginning to end and mm-hmm. make sure all your pieces fit together in ways that are obvious. So yes. maybe, may, maybe a writer's workshop or something like that in the future would be great. Absolutely. And, you know, you're still doing the research. You're, you're still mm-hmm. digging into the facts. It's your presentation that's going to be much different. Um, yeah. I, I did a master's thesis in college. So I, I know a little bit of what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, so yeah. it's that academic style versus a more conversational style yeah. or a children's style. So uh, a lot of the same elements, just more presentation. Yeah, yeah. Well, the presentation is definitely uh, at the forefront. My concern for presentation is definitely at the forefront when, mm-hmm. say, I do something like preaching. Because yeah. I feel pretty confident that I'm going to get the content good, right. but I want it to have, like you said, a kind of a conversational tone. I'm, I'm not presenting, I'm not presenting my statements and then, you know, arguing, arguing with other potential detractors or current detractors in the footnotes in a sermon, right? You're not going to get the footnotes in a sermon anyway, but there's definitely a, a, an issue of performance or presentation awareness in something like a sermon. Yeah. So, well, cool. I, hey, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm, I'm ready awesome. to write something. <laughs> I'm gonna right. be, well, I'm going to be preaching uh, in Sundays in January here um, coming up when uh, he who shall not be named uh, leaves <laughs> up. No, <I'm> <laughs> Mark Adams, Voldemort. You heard it here. Mark, sorry about that, buddy. Throwing you under the bus. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've got into writing by doing some of the editing process. I suspect that that maybe helped you get a sense for maybe some of the do's and don'ts of writing. Is is that fair? Oh, absolutely. You see what works for other people. You see what doesn't work. Um, And and I've been in this business for, you know, 20 something years. (laughs) And so you, you learn what sells and what doesn't sell. And, and while sales is, well, I was going to say it's not at the forefront, but it really is when it, the, at the forefront, because if your message doesn't get out there, you know, it's, it's, it's lost some of its, its point. But um, so I learned, you know, what sells and what doesn't sell, um, as well as some of the do's and don'ts of of writing styles and and having a voice that comes through your writing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, having a voice. I can see some similarities with podcasting, too. Um, I mean, there's, you know, all varieties under the sun, right, of, of different podcasts. I, mine, mine tends to be very positive, you know, useful. Um, you know, I, I think the most roasts I've ever given in a podcast was just two minutes ago, right, when I was burning on Mark. <laughs> you know, Mark, um, Lord, same, you know, same right, thing. yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I can, I can see that. And, and there's definitely a, um, yeah, definitely a, a, a voice or, um, you know, like a persona almost that mm-hmm. uh, that comes through there. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty good way to segue in segue into your into your book called Simply Christmas. Give us the um, you know what is Simply Christmas all about besides you know, presumably celebrating the holidays, 
maybe with some simplicity in mind, uh, help us walk through this. What is Simply Christmas all about? And, and what, um, you know, what are you hoping to, uh, hoping people will get as they read through this? Yeah, so uh, the subtitle really sums it up. It's, um, and I have to read it because I get my words messed up sometimes. Uh, a Busy Mom's Guide to Reclaiming the Peace of the Holidays. And so obviously the primary target audience is moms, but I think the message carries through for all of us. Um, our society, we have just gotten so crazy busy and it's almost like a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, the busier you are, yeah, the tireder you are, the more you must be accomplishing. And so even though the, the target audience is moms, I think it's, it's for everyone. It's like, what are we really accomplishing with all our busyness? And, and how can we simplify things? And the Christmas season just seems to intensify that yeah. with the, the events, the activities, the, the obligations that we feel. And the thing is, none of it is really bad. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, you know, there's so many good things. It's, I wanted to give moms or, or people in general the tools to help them figure out the good things that are best for them. And to give them permission to say, I don't have to do that, or I can do this, but I can do it my way. And it's okay. As long as we're, you know, honoring each other, we're uh, honoring our priorities and we're honoring God and, and with kids, you know, as long as there's no bar for blood, you know, we're good. <laughs> so, we're good. A bar for blood. <laughs> I, I had a boy. Right, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I, I think you're absolutely right that busyness, um, the constant need to to uh, either produce or to be doing something mm -hmm. is is pervasive. Yeah, um, I've got a one of my best friends from my doctoral program is Japanese and is actually back now in Tokyo um teaching at his denominations um seminary there in in tokyo and it's amazing and, and and he knew he knew that he had to finish everything here in the states before he would go back because he would not at all finish um i was texting him early in the morning here and it was you know 10 p.m in tokyo and he was like hey you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're trying to get me for your podcast. I'd love to do it. I just can't, it's 10 PM and I'm still working on stuff. And he's, it's no exaggeration to say he has three full-time jobs, but that's typical for, you know, for guys, especially in his line of work, but also Japanese culture. But I think that is also typical here. May I ask just your opinion? Why do you think that is? What is it about busyness that we feel like we we must constantly be doing and producing instead of taking moments to actually enjoy Sabbath? I think we fall into a comparison trap. Um, I think it happens on so many levels, whether it's comparing our career achievements, comparing um, what our kids are doing or not doing or you know, just comparing how our home looks. Um, that was true uh, for me when I was raising my kids when they were little. And I think it's intensified now that social media is out there and we see all this stuff that other people are doing and we forget 
that that's a curated vision that we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you put that a, a curated vision. There is it, 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 at a moment's notice, right? If you were to, to roll up into my house, the, it probably wouldn't look as good as it does on Facebook or Instagram. Right. But it's right. easy, for, easy in that moment for me to present that as if, you know, hey, here's the static reality. This is sort of what we always look like. I think sometimes that that creates barriers for meaningful engagement with um, with people. I I know, you know, a, a typical thing, right? Yeah, that you know. For somebody who would want to invite friends over or something like that, you know, what's the very first thing when you think of, oh, okay, company's coming over. What do you have to do? The very first thing. Oh, you got to clean the house. You got to clean the house. Yeah, you got to clean the house. And and what's so funny is that almost everybody would say that. Yeah. But I think most everybody would realize too. It's like, well, you know, if, if they're your good friends, yeah, then you probably don't have to try too hard to impress them. Otherwise... Maybe you need some other friends. Right, right. You know, I still remember, I think Lauren was maybe three-ish. Um, I had taken her to a rest to the restroom in someone's home and uh, she needed help washing her hands. Mm -hmm. And they had the hand towel on a little metal stand. And so she reached to grab it and dry her hands and being short, she pulled it over and it made this horrible clatter. Um, and she burst into tears because their house was perfect mm -hmm. and it intimidated her even at three. And I just kind of thought to myself right then and there, I mean, I can still picture standing in that bathroom and saying, I don't ever want my house to be so perfect that people are afraid to knock something over yeah. or afraid to, to mess something up just in that act of living. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so yeah, that, that image that we present, and I guess it's a fear that we don't want others to think less of us or, you know, I, I don't have all my dishes washed. There are dishes that's dirty in the sink right now. Don't tell some of my relatives that, <laughs> but you know, the truth is, right. you know, none of our houses really look perfect all the time, but we try to pretend that they are. I don't know yeah. why. And that, that pretending... Yeah. Can get pretty exhausting, can't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Simply Christmas is about reclaiming this piece, mm -hmm. kind of cutting through some of that. What are some ways you recommend in the book? People, what are some things that you recommend people do or maybe not do mm -hmm. in order to kind of reclaim some of this piece and, and really bring peace? Uh, to to others, you know, I think one of the biggest things that that Jeff and I have learned the last few years is to sit down before um, the season actually really gets underway, um, and and we've still got a little bit of time before that happens, and do some pondering. Um, there's a verse uh, toward the end of the the Christmas story um, where Mary sits and and treasures and ponders all these things in her heart mm -hmm. and. You think about, you put that verse in context, and this is right after a road trip to Bethlehem. You know, it's it's right after giving birth in, in not her ideal situation, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, shepherds barging in. <laughs> uh -huh. 
um, but she's treasuring and pondering the things that really mattered. And it's not what kind of donkey they were driving. It's not, you know, uh, what, how the stable looked or yeah. what gifts the shepherds did or didn't bring. It was the fact that the savior was there and all those events that pointed her to him. And so as you get this season going, we like to sit down and ponder ourselves. What are the things that make us smile? You know, what are the things that make our loved ones smile? Um, and what are the things that make God smile? Because when we filter things through that lens, it, it helps our yeses and nos to be much more easily identifiable. You know, that Christmas play that everybody around here loves and wants to go to and we just really don't like, we can say no to that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Are there some favorite, um, do you have some favorite, favorite little snippets of the book that you'd be to be willing to to share maybe oh, maybe two or three off the top of your head that as you look through and think you know i i find this one to be especially meaningful because i struggle with this the most mm. or th this one really really helped out in a tough time um you know i i know that that is uh i know that that's an incredibly valuable to be able to look back and reflect Mm. and see how maybe in that moment god has given us some grace and mm. some wisdom it's like, okay you went through this okay now now you can learn what i've been wanting you to learn all right are, are there any moments like that from the book you can share with us you know one of the things i struggled with as a stay-at-home mom and then as a work-at-home mom was feeling like what i did was completely invisible mm -hmm. <laughs> because it could be undone. You have little ones. <laughs> Everything right. you do can be undone in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that can be really hard. Um, but I, And I say that from a mom's perspective, but I think that can be true from so many other perspectives as well, that some of the things we invest ourselves in the most can be invisible to the world. Um, and so I love this uh, name of God, Elroy. It's, it's one of my absolute favorites. Um, and so I did write a devotion about Elroy. It's from day eight. And it's about, um, he sees. He sees all those invisible things we're doing. He sees all the invisible struggles. He sees all the invisible prayers and praises we offer him. And he's there. And we're not in this thing alone. So that that's one of my favorites. I don't know if you want me to read that one or just chat about it or. Um, well, let's chat about that. That uh, he he gets named that from Hagar, right? Of all people. Yeah. 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 And Hagar is, I mean, for those who, who grew up in church or, or maybe didn't and, um, and need a refresher, Hagar did not have a very very happy uh happy end to her story mm -mm. in uh in, in the bible um she was essentially used and um and then and then cast out when mm -hmm. she was no longer needed mm -hmm. and to have her be able to call god the god who sees that's extraordinarily powerful yeah, what, um, Tamil, what was it about Hagar's story that really 
it, it, despite the short synopsis I just gave, what was it about Hagar's story that really stood out to you? That was like, you know, there's something worth digging into with this. Yeah, as you say, she was nothing. In that society, if it was possible to be less than nothing, that was who Hagar was. But she was some something to God, enough to speak to, enough to send aid to, enough to see. And, you know, when sometimes I, I realize how lacking I am um, in, in the eyes of God, my own imperfections, my own stubbornness, my own selfishness and sin, and, and I feel like nothing, you know, completely unworthy of his love and grace. And yet there's this promise that we are. And, and it carries through the Bible, you know, into Psalms where he knit us together. He knew the, the days of our lives, uh, you know, into the New Testament with counting the hairs on our head and, um, you know, knowing every sparrow that falls. His awareness of us is, is ever present and it inspires me to turn that around and make my awareness of him ever present, yeah. which is a struggle, but uh, with his grace, I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, that, you know, looking, looking at Hagar's story and especially commenting on, especially in light of this name that she basically nicknames God. Mm -hmm. Um tying that into a, a Christmas devotional book makes a lot of sense when especially you think about how Jesus describes his own arrival into the world, which is the season that we're in, right? Where we're, we're, we're thinking about this kind of thing. Luke chapter four is, uh, is a time where, you know, as, as Luke is presenting Jesus's story, it begins with Jesus in a synagogue, mm -hmm. his kind of inaugurating his public ministry, he begins with Jesus in a synagogue, and then he reads from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to whom? To the poor, to the people who are, like you said, are nothing in the eyes of the world. He has sent me to proclaim release to whom? The captives. I mean, Hagar was a slave. That. By definition, you're a captive. Mm -hmm. Recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. Fascinating. I I I don't know if you make that connection in in the book, but to me, yeah, that absolutely makes sense to tie all of these ideas together from you know, from that story in Genesis to the prophecy of you know what the what the savior will do in Isaiah to Jesus saying, right. That's been pointing to me and I'm ready to do this. I, uh, I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. And I, I actually did not tie in Luke chapter four, but I am totally stealing that and tying it. Second edition, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Simply yeah, like Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Second edition. Yeah. Well, no, that's pretty neat. Um, and yeah, you, the the idea being right that we that we do see that we do turn our awareness away from the the ease of self-centeredness 
Mm. Especially around a time where, yes, I mean, you're wanting to, I don't think there's anything wrong, right, with wanting to get somebody a really good gift. Right. I do not make enough money to get people the gifts that I would want to give them because I would, man, I would want to give them the good stuff, right? Right. But I can't help but also know that some of that is like, I also, I also appreciate the pats on the back. Kevin, this was so meaningful. Kevin, you're so thoughtful. Kevin, wow, you're this, you're that. It's like, I don't, then it's about, then it's about me. And it doesn't need to be about me. It's too easy to make it about me. And and that's one of the challenges that I offer moms and and people in general is when we set out to find that perfect gift and and like you say, get that pat on the back. Because I mean, man, when you see their light eyes light up, that's just the best ever, right? Or get that giant hug or that handshake or, or whatever. But my challenge to you and to, and to others would be, what, what will your kids, what will Linnea, what will anyone remember 10 years from now? Will they really remember that gift or will they remember your presence in their lives? Hmm. Um, because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I mean, you can look at um, business reports of how much people spend on Christmas and go into debt for Christmas. And, and yeah. um, you know, maybe we should make it a little less about the, the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Mm-hmm. Spell that P-R-E-S-E. Yeah. We can edit <laughs> and, that to where you got it. <laughs> yeah. And more about his presence and yeah. our presence in people's lives and how we point him, us, point others to him. Yeah. By way of analogy, I can see how it's similar to a wedding versus a marriage. Mm, mm-hmm. Wedding versus a marriage. I had a friend in grad school who had, um, she, she went to Lipscomb and she was, I think her original major, her original idea was to do something that would allow her also to do some wedding planning for mm-hmm. folks. And she distinctly, I, remembers seeing a handful of instances where she noticed that either her friends or the people that she was planning on working with spent astronomically more time on their wedding when there were glaring, gaping holes and things that would affect their marriage. And so Christmas Day, right, can be the wedding so to speak right the the big moment where the you know where everything's just perfect and everybody lights up and you know the the pictures are pretty because everybody's in their matching pajamas and stuff (laughs) (laughs) versus like you said the presence throughout their lives yeah yeah that oh man that then hits hard for um for somebody who's got young kids at home absolutely yeah but ask your kids what they love about Christmas you know because uh, that's the we talked about um in the book tr- simplifying some of the traditions and and my kids are, are of course a little bit older um and we asked them what matters to you about Christmas what do you love about Christmas and you know they did not say any of the things that I thought they would say really they uh didn't really talk about the presents um they didn't talk about um there were a couple of food items they talked about, particular <laughs> surprise, but, yeah. but you know, their two biggest things were going to see the Christmas lights and um, sitting with all their cousins gathered around their grandparents reading the Christmas story cool. from the Bible. And that's what they talked about. 
Um, and so I think we get in our minds this image of what we think our kids value, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not that at all. Yeah. There, I can just imagine, right? Both of your kids are at college and they're yeah. sitting there texting you, Mom, send us pictures of what Elf in the Shelf has done this morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what they're interested in. They're interested no. in some of these other things. I like this idea of simplifying Christmas traditions. Is that another thing that you go into detail in the book? It is. And um, it largely revolves around having conversations. I am a huge believer in family family sitting down together and having actual conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're, two, three-year-old is probably a little bit young for this, but your five-year-old is probably ready to have some input. And it's just about what is it that makes Christmas Christmas for you? And so we have that conversation pretty much every year Mm -hmm. and it changes over the years. You know, we don't want to throw out the the sparkly oats for Santa's reindeer anymore, Um, but but we still really want to go see the Christmas lights. But yeah, it, it's all about conversations. And I think when we include our kids in those kinds of decisions, it helps them see our reasoning as well and learn to reason on their own about what they want to prioritize in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the sparkly oats. Have there been other things that you've seen, seen them kind of grow and, and either grow past or, or maybe kind of lean into some things that you were pleasantly surprised that they they really you know appreciated this particular aspect of of Christmas that somehow indicated their growth or maturity mm-hmm. um that answer about loving hearing their grandparents and cousins read the Christmas story mm-hmm. I would never have expected that um because they would gather around the grandparents and it's a kind of this, oh, here we go, you know. Uh, and I, th- I think that was just kind of a, a face they were trying to put on. So they looked cool as they yeah. got older <laughs> because they, they really enjoy that time. Um, neither of them talked about the presents. Um, you know, they enjoy the or- some of the ornaments as we pull them out. Um, that's kind of a time for us to, to talk about past trips. We are, we're not big souvenir collectors, but when we do vacations and special moments, we get a Christmas ornament. Yeah. And so our tree is like a, this memory tree when you mm-hmm. pull it out every year. So they, they enjoy doing that. Um, we do simple things like pizza and a Christmas movie. Um, we've learned over the years that we're not big, go out and, and do big, loud things. We're kind of quiet people and that that works for us. If you like to go out and do the big and loud things, that's great. Um, and that's kind of what Simply Christmas is about is just, it's okay to do it your own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like hearing about those, uh, those different little traditions that, um, that you do. We've got some at, uh, at our house that we've both picked up on from each other's families. Uh, one thing that um, that my wife and I have done in the past is uh, exchange dollar presents. You know, Ooh. when I was little on Christmas Eve, we wouldn't get to open up any of the big presents under the tree. We would exchange dollar presents. Um, and that was always kind of a neat thing. And it was, um, 
it was a great opportunity to, um, I really to be kind of creative yeah. and, you know, to find something small that, uh, that I know this person will still like, um, that's, I would say that's definitely harder than just, you know, okay, you know, the sky is the, the limit in terms of budget. Here you go. Um, but dollar presents have been, have been fun in the past. Um, when you mentioned the, um, you know, when you mentioned just kind of the gathering around at Christmas, uh, this wasn't at Christmas, but a few weeks ago at Thanksgiving, we, you know, because of COVID, that was the one year in my memory that my mom's family, like all of us, you know, like my mom and my dad and my older brothers and their families. So, so like all of us did not go over to my aunt's house. Mm. My aunt has lived, um, you know, years ago, she lived there in Donaldson with my folks, um, you know, just about, about a mile away. Um, we're going to going to church uh, there with my folks. Um, mom and aunt are two years apart. And so that was last year was the first year that we didn't get together and Thanksgiving is usually the only time I get to see uh, that side of the family, just because, I mean, we're all spread out doing different things. So this year when we were back, you know, 815 rolls around, we're having a great time. We're talking and just catching up and, and really enjoying each other's company. And um, there was almost some controversy because normally on Thanksgivings, what we would do is after we would eat, you know, a bunch of us play musical instruments, so we'd get together and, and play Christmas songs. My dad and my uncle were both band directors, and so they have you know, little Christmas songs ready to go. My uh, middle brother is, is very musically talented, and so he can take a, a Christmas song that he hears you know, on the radio or you know, one, from a, one from one of the hymnals, a Christmas hymn, and can like, transpose that for the different instruments that we have represented there. And so it's kind of cool. But this year we were all kind of like, you know, we, we might just want to talk and hang out this year and uh, that we did end up playing some, but it was, it was a, it was a really strong longing and desire to be with each other that we just hadn't felt or hadn't had in a year's time. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely there with Kayla and Lauren spending time with family. Absolutely. You know, COVID robbed us of, of so many things and, and some people, it, it robbed them of some, some people, but with everything, there were also some kind of hidden treasures in there. And I think one of those is this renewed priority that we have on family and on the people we love and, and treasuring those moments of actually getting together. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, is there anything else, uh, any, any really solid nuggets from uh, Simply Christmas that you, uh, that you want to share with us? You know, I think it's, it's not just a, a bit of advice or, or, or tip that I have for Christmas, but for the whole year through, my goodness, we just need to turn everything back to God. Mm -hmm. um, that awareness that he is with us, that we have the opportunity to talk to him. Oh my goodness, the creator of the universe wants to hear from us. How amazing is that? Yeah. And, and just the wonder of that and to communicate that joy and 
awesomeness to our kids, to our families, to, to just whoever we might encounter and to carry that with us through, through the Christmas season and, and onward through every day of our lives. That's what I, that's the main thing I would hope people take away from this book. Yeah. Don't lose the joy, right? Don't lose the wonder. The, um, I mean, Christians should have, uh, I'd say should have the most joy because we should realize the, the depth of the gifts that we've been given, I would think. We should, but, uh, you know, sometimes I think the devil likes to give us a little extra dose of attack and, and try to steal that joy. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that daily re-seeking of it and, and staying in his word and turning to him at every opportunity. Um, yeah. That That's the real source of the joy and, and the sure way to, to defeat that other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> last thing I wanted to ask. Yeah. Uh, anything else we can do to bring maybe a peace to ourselves, peace to others around us? You mentioned turning everything over to God. Are there some particular things that you do that you found especially helpful during this time of the year? You know, it's, it's this time of the year and, and really every day, um, I start the day with God. You know, some days I'm able to start with a whole chapter or a nice long study. Some days I'm grabbing a verse, but starting my day with God makes all the difference in the world. And I know that especially moms and, and dads with little ones in those seasons of life, sometimes you're starting the day may come after one or two other things. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Um, but including him, um, that makes all the difference because sometimes I'll get busy and halfway through my day and I'm like, why is everything going wrong? Oh yeah. You procrastinated on getting that time with God on getting that, that word into your heart. And it just really makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. One, um, one thing that I have found to be true and actually have done kind of a little bit of an experiment mm -hmm. uh, this just this week is um you know if i get woken up early before before our boys get up i might grab my phone and you know I'll, I'll scroll through some social media or i'll try to knock out some emails and what i find myself is that i'm i'm generally more anxious mm -hmm. and so yesterday and this morning i intentionally left the phone in the other room and even though even though in that moment i wasn't I wasn't reading scripture. I wasn't uh, this morning. I, I I did take some intentional time to to pray about you know, some of the transitions that I, our church is going through. Like I mentioned earlier, um, I intentionally left my phone in there in the other room, and I was definitely more calm, yeah. more more peaceful in that in that time, and in the mornings, which are hectic because got to get the boys up, got to get the oldest one dressed got to get them to eat on time so we can get school on time and all this other stuff. Yeah. 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 I, um, I am one of those people I said, I would never be, I keep my phone by my bed now. Um, but I have two college students. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there has, yeah. <laughs> there has yep. been that one 4am phone call that has cured me. And so now that phone stays there. Um, and it turned out to be fine. Lauren was just a, a little sick, but, um, 
but I'm learning there are so many Bible apps now. So when I wake up in the morning, I grab the phone, but I've trained myself, you know, to hit that Bible app first. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a much more peaceful, calm start to the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Last thing I want to ask, help us promote your book. Where can we find it? Um, you know, tell, tell us, uh, tell us, tell us where, where the best place to get it from online, in person, um, if you're running any kind of uh, discounts or anything like that. Yeah, so uh, if you're looking for it in person, I think most Christian bookstores have it. Uh, it's in your Target stores. Uh, Barnes and Noble carries it. Um, online, everybody from Amazon to whomever. The easiest place would be to go to my website, TanaFortner.com. Right. And there are links to all your favorite retailers from ChristianBook.com to Amazon to Barnes and Noble. Um, but yeah, it's that would probably be the easiest place is on the website. And there's also a free study guide there right now. Uh, if you'd like right, to cool. download that with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. TamaFortner.com, right? Yes. Okay. I'll be sure to put a link to that in the description below. And uh, that way we can, that way we can really, you know, kind of encourage folks to get over there and check all that out. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Tam, I really appreciate your time this afternoon with us. Thanks so much. And I hope everything goes well. Looking forward to uh, Simply Christmas edition two yes. your, next year where you're able to insert Luke chapter four. In there. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that idea. <laughs> Will do. All right. Tammy, you have a good rest of the afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to all of you. You too.